So one of the things that we have to figure out in chapter 2 is how does Nehemiah know, like he prays for quite a long time, we're going to talk about that, right? So he prays for quite a long time, and, and, and then he gets to this one point, we're going to read the verse in a minute, where he goes, oh, now's the time that God's going to move, right? And so one of the things I want us to think about is how does, how does he know that that's the time? So if you look at, we won't look at it, but if you look at chapter 1 verse 1 and chapter 2 verse 1, you see that it was four months that he's praying, right? So if you look at the at verse 4, it says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned. It's like, how many days? How many days did he mourn? And the answer is four months, right? So from Nehemiah's perspective, every day he's waking up and he's like, oh my gosh, the city's in ruin. My family, my friends could be destroyed any time. Oh, calling out to God, nothing. Next day. Oh my goodness, God, fasting, blah, you know, right, for four months. And then how does he know that um, at, I don't know how many days are in a month, right? But at, at, what is that, 120 days or something? I can't do maths. How does he know, like, at day 119, nope, it's not the time yet. But then he wakes up the next day and he's like, boom, this is the day that God's going to move. Do you know what I mean? So one of my big questions I want us to be thinking about in here is this whole thing of God's timing. How does he know? How does he know that, right? Um, and one of the things that I think a lot is that we move, and I'm going to talk about this quite a bit, I think we move a lot faster than God wants us to move, right? Anyone agree with me? Anyone? Yeah. So if you know me, I say a lot, which is absolutely terrible. I'm always saying things like, oh my gosh, God's timing is perfect and good, but it drives me insane, right? I, just, I said that to people two or three times this last week. It just drives me crazy, right? God's timing's good, but it just, it's just too slow. I'm, God, places to go, people to see. Come on, let's, let's move, right? And I think one of the dangers we have is, is sometimes we run too far ahead of God, right? And it makes sense, right? And God's like, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. I'm trying to do some stuff in your life. I'm trying to do some, some character adjustment. There's some attributes in your life that just really need to be sorted. And we're like, whoop, 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 zooming on ahead of God. The other side, that's the, the other danger, is that we're too slow, and so there's a time in our life when God's saying, okay, enough praying, <laughs> enough fasting, enough mourning, like Nehemiah. It's time for you to move, right? I want you to do something. And, and, and the question is, how do we figure that out? How do we know when God's saying it's time to, to move, right? Okay, so I've got a couple of points. Here's the first one. Um, God's timing is not my timing. So turn to someone and say, and if it's you, if this is really you, because this is me, it, God's timing drives me bonkers, right? I respect, and he's perfect, and his timing's always good, but it drives me nuts. So if that's you, you can say this with a little bit of attitude, right? So turn to someone and say, God's timing is not my timing. Okay. Um, so one, one of the things to think about is, is so often the reason God's timing is, is as it is, is because he's trying to change us. It makes sense, right? And I think so often we see the, the issue, the whatever we're praying and worrying about, but we forget that the bigger, the bigger picture to God is our heart, changing us, right? So I was trying to think, how do I illustrate this? And I somehow ended up just studying gold this week. One of the weird things being a pastor is you end up reading up about the weirdest things. Anyway, so I was reading up about gold and how, and we all know this, right? Gold is quite happy in the ground. Like if you went and talked to gold that was in the ground, it would just be like, I'm all good, thanks. I'm fine, right? And then because we're mean to the gold, we dig it out. And I'm sure the gold's like, seriously, I was quite happy just chilling here in the ground. We dig it out. And then to get rid of all the rubbish in it, right? So the dross, all the, the impurities, all the imperfections and all that stuff. To get rid of that, we, we chuck it in a furnace and heat it to this crazy, crazy temperature. And then the gold's all good and all the nasty stuff just kind of floats away. So you with me, right? Yeah. Right. Now, I would imagine, I haven't talked to gold recently, but I would imagine that if you talk to that gold in the furnace, the gold would be like, this stinks. 
I was quite happy just chilling on the ground. Yeah, there were some impurities, but we were, we were friends, right? I was kind of used to that, you know, that's just who I am. I've got some impurities, some faults and stuff, but we were all good. And now you've ripped me out of the ground, you've stuck me in a furnace, and oh, it's horrible, right? Great illustration, yeah? Best illustration you've ever heard, right? So I think this is us a lot. <laughs> I think a lot of us, and I say this real carefully, and I'm the number one idiot with impurities in my life. I think a lot of us are quite happy with some of our impurities <laughs> and our faults, <laughs> our shortcomings. And we know they're not good, but we're quite happy with them. And then God comes along and he's like, man, I've got something so much better for you. <laughs> I have some amazing things I want to do in your life, but there's going to be some heat coming. <laughs> And if you're like me, you're like, oh, man, can't you just zap me? <laughs> Which is why sometimes God's timing seems to take too long because he's, he's working with us to get rid of those impurities, right? We're quite happy in the ground with the impurities. He's not happy. He's like, no, I want to I change you. I want to grow you. I have great plans for you, great things I want to do in you, but it's going to take some change, right? I, I thought that was a cool illustration. So some people are smiling. So thank you, smiling people. All right. Hey, so God's timing is not my timing. Um, he takes four months to, to, to pray and stuff until God says, right, now's the, the time. So a little bit of, I'm going to read it, um, some more verses of Nehemiah in a minute, but a couple of little side notes. So the first one is he's the cupbearer to the king. So as you know, it's not rocket science. That means he's the guy that tastes the wine before the king tastes it to check if it's poisoned, which I read a lot of people died from that. I was like, oh, that's hilarious. So a real common way to kill kings and stuff back then was to poison them. And I was like, okay. So it's actually like one of the worst jobs on the planet. I was like, okay, because you'd be drinking it thinking, am I going to die from this one? I'm okay. (laughs) Here you go, king. Here's the thing. And the king's like, all right. You know, it's kind of, so there's a funny verse coming in verse three that, so remember the cupbearer thing. Anyway, but what it meant is that the, the cupbearer was with the king pretty much all the time. So back in the day, they drank a lot of wine, right? A lot of wine. Um, and so at any time, the, the cupbearer needs to be there with the king. And so it's not that the cupbearer is like friends with the king because they're still a servant. And it's not like they're an advisor. But they end up having quite a close connection with the king, right? Because they're always with it. And because you really need to trust your cupbearer. Does it make sense? Because if I'm the baddie wanting to poison the king, I go to the cupbearer and be like, hey, bro, I'll slip you a shady 20 if you just like drink the wrong and then swap it and then the king's gone. Do you know what I mean? So you, the king and the, the cupbearer had this kind of connection, which you'll see um, when we read these verses again, right? Um, the, the second thing, we'll, we'll read this, this verse in a minute, which I think is really funny, is about the king. No, well, I'll explain it now. So you've just read it, right? And remember in verse 3, it talks about the king's like, hang on a minute. You're not sick, but you look troubled or what's up? And I always think, and hopefully you're with me. Are you with me where I'm going? Yeah. Is the king like going, hang on a minute. Have you drunk in poison wine? What's going on? I don't want to drink this. I just always think that's funny when I read it. Um, another thing is the, the queen is there. So this is really, really interesting. So one of the things I want to talk a bit about this morning is Nehemiah is, he's very, very clever. But in verse 8, he makes it very clear that all this worked because the gracious hand of God was on him. Right? So he's very careful to say the gracious hand of God was on me. That's why this thing has worked. At the same time, he's really smart. Like there are so many leadership books written on Nehemiah by the way he rebuilds the city. It's just phenomenal, his organization and structure. Um, but one of the things, 
sorry, one of the things you see here is the, the queen is there. And when I was reading up about this, I thought the queen, it was like nowadays where the king and the queen would sit on a throne together and pass royal decrees and hold hands maybe and all that kind of stuff. But back in the day, it's totally not. And you see this in the book of Esther. So if you remember the book of Esther, Esther the queen is really just like a trophy wife. Does that make sense, eh? So the, the queen, king's having a banquet, and then he's like, oh, let's roll out the fox. So he rolls out the, the queen so that everyone's like, oh, my gosh, it's such an amazing king. Just check out your hot wife. Ooh, like that, right? Does it make sense? Man, some of you are giving me scary looks. I'm going to stand over here. That's the way it was, right? Um, the, the queen was never there in an official capacity. She had no official capacity. She's not there to pass royal decrees. She's not there when the king is sitting on his throne to go to war and stuff. Even in banquets, she wouldn't be there unless he called for her. So it's really interesting that the queen's there. And when I was like, doing research, because I was trying to figure out why, they said Nehemiah's real smart, and he knows he's probably not going to be able to have this significant conversation with the king if the king's sitting with you know, like all the people around or there's a giant banquet or he's about to pass royal decrees and stuff. So Nehemiah's waited again. He says it's because of the gracious hand of God. It's not just him being smart. But Nehemiah's been planning this now for four months, right? And so he knows, oh, this day is just going to be the king and the queen. And so the idea is it's probably quite a, a social setting. It's not this big official thing. And so Nehemiah knows he can have that little conversation. So there's this cool combination, you see, of Nehemiah being smart Choosing the right day, but knowing that God's guided him. Does it make sense? So it's not just Nehemiah, it's not just God. It's kind of this cool team thing. Um, the last thing is, is kind of obvious, that a servant would normally never allow their emotions to be seen by the king. And the reason for that was if the servant looked um, sad or troubled or upset, it could be taken that the servant is, is upset with what the king has decreed or what the king's doing. And then if that happened, the king, and I, I was reading and they were like, this happened a lot. A servant would just be having a bad day, would be frowning, and the king would be like, kill. And they'd be like, okay, they just disappear, bag over the head or whatever, and just disappear. So for Nehemiah to come before the king looking troubled is very intentional, right? Now, you've got to remember, how many months has he been doing this, been praying? Four months. So for four months, he's been going before the king, hey, how's it going, king? Good to see you. Let me try that wine. All right, man, this is great wine. King, go nuts. Next day, king, king, king. But in his heart, he's just broken, right? So now something changes, right? After four months, something changes. And that's kind of this thing we've got to figure out. All right. Let's um, read the, the last verse in, ver in chapter one. is really interesting, right? So here it is here on the screen. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today. <laughs> this is my question. How did he know that today is the day, right? He's been praying and fasting and mourning for four months. How does he wake up this day? And he's praying and he's like, oh, today's the day. Here we go. Let's go, God, right? How does he know that? Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. One of the things I want to talk a lot about is, and this sounds kind of cheesy, but this is the way I always think about Nehemiah. So this is like a dividing line of when he makes the decision, right? So before this decision, he is patient before God, real patient, because he is broken. You saw that, eh? He is just broken. Every day, he's just calling out to God, God, today's got to be the day to rescue the people. Oh, he's broken, right? So he's real patient. He's really serious in prayer. He's praying every day, and he's planning, He's planning a lot. Like you'll, you'll see, we're going to look at it in, in a minute, the second half of this bit that Joseph read. He is really, really structured. So when the king says, oh, cool, what do you need? He's not like, oh, I need to rebuild the city. 
He's like, oh, boom, this is what I need. Because he's planned it, right? So he's real patient. He's praying, but he's planning as well, right? And one thing I'm going to talk a little bit about is I think there's a danger for some of us to do one of these, but not all of them. For a lot of us, we're just not patient, to be honest with God. We're like, come on, God, get on my schedule. Um, For some of us, we're really good at praying, but we're not so good at planning. So that when God says move, we're like, oh, man, I've been praying for my neighbor for ages, but now I'm standing here talking to them. What do I say? We haven't done the planning. But then some of us are really good at the planning, but not so good at the praying, right? Um, So there's this, this cool quote. I love this quote. This is from Peter Marshall. He says, teach us, O Lord, the disciplines of patience, for we find that to wait is often harder than to work. (laughs) We find that to wait is often harder than to work. So this is a time of honesty. You do not need to raise your hand, but if you'd like to raise your hand, you're welcome to. Who in here finds it just way easier to work than to wait? Anyone? Yeah, (laughs) and nearly all of us were such shady people. Man, that's me. eh? I'm I'm like like, like, like crazy. So one of the things we're thinking about is how does he know this line, right? He's patient, he's praying, he's planning, but then all of a sudden he knows God says go and there's action. And like I was saying, some of us get stuck in this side. It's really easy to procrastinate in prayer. Does that make sense? It's real easy to procrastinate in prayer. And you know God's saying now it's time to move and it's like, that move is really scary, God. I'll just keep praying about it because maybe I'm missing you, Right? Um, Nehemiah is literally going to put his life on the line, remember, because he's going to go in looking upset, intentionally looking upset. He hasn't done that for four months. He goes in looking upset. The king could straight away just be like, him, head, off, gone, done. And trust God, like Esther, same thing, right? Esther takes that giant risk when she goes before the king. So how do you know? How do you know when God's saying to move? And you don't want to get it wrong, right? We don't want to go too quick, but we don't want to go too slow. Um, So one of my favorite funny verses. Like I've said to you, there's heaps of funny verses in the Bible. This is one of my favorite funny verses um, ever. So this is from Exodus 14. So if you know Exodus 14, I mean, you guys know this. This is right after the Exodus, hence Exodus. Um, So Israel's finally gotten out of or been redeemed from Egypt, right? So they've been in slavery for 400 years. God redeems them. The, The nation of Egypt is just absolutely annihilated, right? Destroyed. Crops gone, cows, firstborn son. It's just this absolute annihilation by God showing his incredible power. And in chapter 14, they finally leave and they pillage the Egyptians on their way out, right? They take all their possessions and, and strip them. It's just this incredible move of God. But then they're leaving and then they're boosting out and God guides them in this kind of interesting way and they end up um, with the Red Sea in front of them, which is a massive body of water. So they can't go any further. And then there's this really funny verse. There's two funny verses. There's a real funny verse in verse 5 of Exodus 14. And it's like the Egyptians all kind of wake up out of this fog. And it literally says, and they said to each other, where have the slaves gone? What are we going to do without slaves? It's like, who's building the pyramid things? Who are slaves? And, and then it says, so they mounted up their chariots and, and took off. And I always find it so funny. It's like, you were literally there through all this stuff. And now in verse 5, you're like, wait, what? Where'd the slaves go? Who's, are you going to build it? I'm not building it. Are you going to build it? It's like, after the slaves. And so they get into their chariots and race off. So then you have this crazy scene where you've got the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, between the Red Sea that they can't cross because they'll drown, um, and the Egyptian army, all angry, you know, to the chariots, men, right, racing after them, right? 
And then you get this, and so they're all freaking out, and everyone is like going, it's the funniest. If you haven't read chapter 14 for a while, you should read it. It's really funny. Because they're all like, Moses, weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Why did you bring us out here to die? They're just so dramatic. It's like, really? It's so funny. Anyway, they're all freaking out. Moses is like, it's okay. God's going to get us. We're calling out to God. And then there's this hilarious verse, I think, in verse 15. And this is, so Moses has literally just said that. And then you read this verse. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. I just love that. It's like God's like, look, 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 enough of the, you've done enough of the prayer and all that stuff. Let's go, let's go. Papaya, papaya. Let's go, let's go. I love it, eh? So like I said, how do we know that? Moses got it wrong. Moses thought we're still in the, the patience the praying, maybe planning. I don't know there's much planning going on stage. And God's like, no, 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 you're not on that stage. We've done that. Now, <laughs> action. Let's go, let's go. I, just, I have to read it again because it's so funny. And the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Oh, I just love that verse. Great verse. Amen? Oh, so funny. All right. Hey, here's a, another quote. I love this. It's from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's like one of my favorite people ever. I'm thinking about the same God's timing. Everything has its time. And the main thing is that we keep in step with God and do not keep pressing on a few steps ahead, nor keep dawdling a few steps behind. <laughs> I love that. Eh? Let me read that last bit. Eh? I'll read the whole thing. Everything has its time, and the main thing is that we keep in step with God and do not keep pressing on a few steps ahead, nor keep dawdling a few steps behind. <laughs> I just want you to stop for a second and think, because we, we seem to err to one side or the other because of our personality and our background, our experience. Are you someone who presses on a few steps ahead? <laughs> Sometimes when you look back, you're like, man, I just went too quick. There wasn't enough of the patience and the prayer and the planning. I was just running ahead of God. I, I just didn't wait to really hear his voice, right? Is that you or are you more the second time? This the other side, nor keep dawdling a few steps behind. Are you someone like Moses where God's like, Enough, it's time for the action. And the action's scary often, real scary. So just be thinking, hey, which one are you in that? Um, I was just going to read um, a couple of verses here. Um, verse, I'll start on verse, in verse 2. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me, you must be deeply troubled. That's the one where I was saying, he's like, hang on a minute, are you sick because you're drinking poison wine and I've got it in my hand? Ah, no, no. And I love this, eh? then I was terrified. So that's what I was saying. This is a bold move of Nehemiah. It's not like he's like, oh, hey, king, would it be cool if I go back and rebuild? Nah, all good. Let's carry on more wine. This is his life literally on the line, right? And that's what I was saying. Sometimes when we get to that, that decision point, it's really scary. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. <laughs> How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the graves have been destroyed by fire. And the king said, well, how can I help you? And then with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, and then we're into verse 5. I, I love that, eh? Okay, so here's the second little part. Um, God's timing often calls for action. Like I've been saying, right? God's timing often calls for action. So I'm going to read a few more verses. We'll read verse 5 down to verse 7. I replied, if it please the king and you're pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, hmm... How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I'll be gone, the king agreed to my request. 
I also said to the king, and this is where you see the planning coming real clearly, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through, and then verse 8, please give me a letter addressed to the king's forest, blah, 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 he does this stuff, and you see he's really, really planned it, right? Really planned it, um, I think really, really clearly. So how, how do we figure this out? How do we figure out whether God's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down, you're running ahead of me. Remember that quote from Bonhoeffer? You're running ahead, slow down. How do I know if God's saying that? Um, on the other hand, how do I know if God's saying, come on, Moses, what are you still calling out? Let's, let's get going, right? Um, to me, one of the key things is the, the verse 8. And we've, we've kind of said this with, with your responses from the, um, those questions before. The end of verse 8, and the king granted these requests because of the gracious hand of God was on me. Um, I know I say this all the time, eh, but God loves you way more than you realize, way more. Um, and some of you are in some really, really tough seasons, but it's because God's shaping your character, because he knows if he leaves you where you are, you're not going to be the person that he just so wants you to be and knows you can become and, and all that stuff, right? Um, but his gracious hand is always on you. I'm gonna, in a minute, I'm going to pray. We're just about done, and I'm going to pray that you would... You'd experience that more. You'd know more than you, you do now that God's gracious hand is on you. Um, and I think one of the things that Phil said and um, Stu and others is that the key is that walking closely with God. So if you remember back in chapter 1, he's daily, he's calling out to God in prayer. One of the key things in prayer is not just talking to God, it's listening to God, right? And, and I'm shocking at that. I'm not too bad at praying, but I'm shocking at shutting up when I'm praying and saying, all right, God, I'm going to be silent. I'm going to go for a little walk around the block, and I'm not going to, I'm going to listen to you. Because that's the key. That's how I know, right? That's how I know that today's the day. Remember that verse in verse 11, Nehemiah chapter 1? He knows it's today. How does he know that? Because he's listening to God. He's praying. He's fasting. He's, he's listening to God. Um, one of the things I find really interesting is the timing in this. So, um, this is kind of crazy. I, we all know this. We see things from our little limited human perspective, but God sees it from his sovereign, amazing perspective, right? So remember I said at the beginning, Nehemiah every day is like, oh my gosh, God, the city's in ruins. They could be attacked ah, for four months. The crazy thing to remember is this is 444 BC, right? So 444 BC. We can tell that from um, it's the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, which we know all about. So 444 BC. Do you, do you know when the city was originally destroyed, the walls and stuff? Anyone? Yeah, it's 60. This, um, 600. 600, this one. So 600 AD is when the city was destroyed. So it's actually been 156 years, if my maths, which is probably not right, is right. Um, and so from God's perspective, it's like, it's okay, man. I've protected the city for 156 years, four months. I've got no problem with that. Do you know what I mean? But from Nehemiah's little perspective, it's like, quick, God, the city. Oh. God's like, I've got it, bro, I've got it. So it's not just listening to God, it's that massive trusting that God's timing will be right. From my perspective, come on, God, get on my agenda. But from God's perspective, he's like, I've got it. It's under control. It makes sense, eh? Yeah. Okay, let me finish, finish with a little silly illustration, then I've got one more quote. Um, silly illustration. So as you know, I used to work at a Bible college over in Tauranga, and so most of our students were that 18 to 26 kind of age group. And nearly, because I was the principal, right, so at the end of the year, I'd have tons of students coming up to me saying, I don't know what to do next year. What should I do? Um, heaps of times they'd say, I'm thinking of going to such and such a university. What do you think? Or I'm thinking of becoming a 
plumber or whatever. What do you think? And I had two standard replies that usually ended in massive embarrassment somewhere on the line. Reply one was, can you tell me exactly how much time have you spent praying about this? And nearly every time the student would be like, oh, yeah, 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 I should do some more praying. Yeah, 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 and I'd just wander <laughs> off. The second thing I'd often say is, how much planning have you done about this? Have you really looked into the universities? Have you really looked into what it means to be a plumber? And nearly every time again, oh, well, there's this really hot girl going to Wakata Uni, so <laughs> I had that heap, so it's like, one of my really good friends who's actually, you know, I was like, um, I just want to say the same thing to us, right? <laughs> When you've got a big decision to make, it's that same, and I wouldn't say it as rudely to you as I said it to crazy students, right? But it's, how much time have you actually spent praying? And like, try and work it out, because sometimes you're literally like, oh man, it's really only like 10 minutes, <laughs> really? This is a huge decision. I need to set aside some time. I need to go to that place where I connect with God, you know, an old church, or get out of nature, or go to the beach and set aside three, four hours and just be with God and pray and listen to Him, right? And then the other side is the planning. <laughs> How much planning have you really done around this? It, sometimes as Christians, we just play the, the prayer card too much. Oh, God, will sort it out. <laughs> and God's like, Moses, what are you doing? <laughs> Pray and get up and, and get going, right? Um, yeah. This is kind of a random quote, but I just love this. This is from um, Tolkien from Lord of the Rings. Um, this is it here. I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. And this is the key bit to me. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that's given us. <laughs> it's really easy to be saying to God, your timing's nuts, God. What are you doing? God says to us, man, time is yours. <laughs> You've got to decide how you're going to act. How are you going to listen to me? How are you going to pray? How are you going to plan? And Etu, let's all stand up. Let me pray for us. Nick, do you want to come back up? Thanks, James. Yeah. So don't forget, the key. Nehemiah is smart. Like I said, there's been so many leadership books written about Nehemiah, it's insane. It is ridiculous. But he never says it's his intelligence. Verse 8, it's because the gracious hand of God was on him, right? That's the key, right? So yeah, let me pray for us. Yeah. You almighty God, I think we miss it a lot, eh, that your gracious hand is on us. Um, your hand of grace, your hand of ignoring, I mean, grace meaning you, you kind of overlook because of the sacrifice of Jesus, some of the dumb stuff we do, some of the deliberate sins, the accidental sins, um, and you continue to guide us and care for us and bless us. So, um, yeah, I really call out to you now, in the name of Jesus Christ, and I pray that all of us, whether we're watching on video now or listening to the podcast or here in this room, that we would be... I don't know that our eyes would be more open to see your gracious hand on us, God. You know we're really quick often to give credit to our own intelligence and our smart decisions and stuff. But we want to reflect Nehemiah. I mean, smart guy, real smart guy. Uh, but we want to reflect him and say, man, this all happened because of the gracious hand of God was on me. We want to see your hand more in our lives, God. Open our eyes to see you moving. We know you're moving. Hey. Yeah, I really pray right now, if anyone is like, oh my gosh, I'm listening to this and I'm in the, I'm in the procrastination and prayer stage of a decision. I'm just hiding because that, that move I've got to make, that action I've got to make is just terrifying. I, I really pray that they would know if, if you're saying, nah, Moses, <laughs> stop praying, now move. That, that they would know now they need to move. Yeah, I pray at the same time, if there's anyone on the other side, 
who's just running way ahead of you and you're saying, slow down, that they would just hear that deep in their soul, God. That they would know you're a God of perfect timing. And your timing is not their timing, but your timing is perfect. Your timing is right. And when it's time for that, that thing to change, that whatever it is, that event to happen, um, that you'll make it really clear to them, God. Help them to slow down. Yeah, we don't want to run ahead of you, like Bonhoeffer said, but we also don't want to dawdle behind you. We really, really want to walk and step with you, uh, Almighty God, whose gracious hand is on us. Yeah, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.